Welcome to episode four of Ace Interpretations, a podcast about asexuality, fandom, and where they intersect. I'm Love the Heaven, here with my co-hosts Quartic. Hi. And KK. Hello. And today we're here to talk about genfic and aros, or aromantic people, aromantic spectrum people. So we've got a lot to talk about because genfic is a pretty complicated category of fan fiction. And we have, you know, got to unpack what we're talking about here and how it relates to aromanticism. Yeah, in uh, in doing some research for the term gen, because as Love the Heaven kind of pointed out, we got to check our own understanding of the definition against what's the commonly held understanding, because sometimes we have it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the things in doing research for this episode that I thought was interesting was how much the definition had changed over time. Like, I knew my understanding of genfic, and I thought that that had just kind of been the way it's always been used, maybe with, like, slight modifications, but it has changed a lot. I don't know if we want to go into the entire history of gen. Certainly not before we give a modern definition, I think, right? Have we covered that already in other episodes? Probably not really. Uh, we haven't really given a full definition of it. We've mentioned it briefly in like relation to two fandoms and fix, but we haven't actually covered all of it. Okay. So one of the things that I kind of gather is that actually I have sort of two operational definitions of genfic that I use simultaneously or interchangeably without even really realizing it. Uh, and I think some of it is almost because of the way different things get tagged and formatted between fanfiction.net and AO3. So on AO3, gen is a relationship category. When you're going through your, your tags and labeling, you know, fic that you're posting, you determine like, is it male, male? Is it male, female? Is it female, female? Is it gen? Is it other? You have, five choices on the other hand on fanfiction.net gen is they spell out full out like general which is the more archaic term so then it's a genre and you have things like thriller horror uh sci-fi fantasy family hurt comfort angst tragedy western friendship romance Pretty sure I've never read a Western, by the way. <laughs> it is a genre, not just a setting. <laughs> yeah, in general is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, Gen Then in that context is less about is there an absence of, you know, shipping? Is there a lack of focus on relationship? And instead, Gen is almost does it kind of fit with canon like so one of the older definitions of, of genfic that i was not really aware of had been in common usage was that genfic is was sort of the opposite of au that genfic was something that was in line with what you saw in the show so it didn't have any non-canon relationships uh and then it also didn't have any kind of non-canon settings and that the tropes present in it would sort of, you know, thematically everything is sort of like you like an episode or, or like another installment of the show. And I think Jen Fick 
like general fic as a genre still kind of fits that. Like if I'm, I think I've tagged things as gen fic in that sense before where I'm like, well, you know, going through that list, I'm like, well, it's not a Western, it's not a horror, it's not this, that, the other. I might pick one thing and then say, and, and gen, which is weird if gen is being a catch all for like things that don't fit into any of the other categories <laughs> to then put it in another category and also this, this catch all. Yeah, you're you're not a writer, KK, but yeah, I've had the same issue. I don't know if I've put any of my things in general, per se, but you pick two categories for your fix on fanfiction.net, and so you decide what genres, you know, really fit this story, and I've probably done general for a lot of mine, because that's the kind of thing I tend to gravitate towards writing, and I'm like, it's, what is it closest to? I think I also put Heart, Comfort, and Family, and other ones a lot, which are all, like, overlapping with Jen. So I feel like general is like maybe I don't want to put it unless I have to because people are probably looking for something more exciting or something. I don't know. <laughs> like... um, but for the longest time and AO3 actually very recently they had an update where now you can more easily exclude tags and exclude things. Whereas before you had to like type in all caps not and then put in quotes like male slash male yeah, not I never really mastered the art of not searching <laughs> so if i wanted to search for like a highly rated gen fic you know and i was just kind of feeling tired of shipping focused fix as you do yeah so i put in like gen and then sort by kudos and then the thing at the top would be a multi-fic and it would be steve tony and it would be some serious romance plot. And I would just be like, okay, what's the next thing on this list? And it would be another multi-fic. Uh, because the multi-fics contain gen relationships and some other relationships. Yeah, it's all a matter of how people choose to tag and what they think it means. And a bunch of people are frustrated when they ship rare pairs. And all the ships, you know, all the time fics that come up for their, when they search for their pair only have, like, their ship in the background. They want, you know, the the main ship excluded and only their rare pair as a focus or something. And the other thing though with Genfic is you mentioned, you know, you're tired of shipping as the focus, but some people are tired of shipping period, especially some, you know, aromantic people might really not want romance in their story at all. And that's like, like at all, like, you know, period, like not even paired up. You like know, it, no one is no one's married in the background no one's dating in the background let's just not talk about romance this is a magical world where none of that <laughs> you know that's the, the most extreme like side of what they hope gen is and and a lot of other things yeah. are like don't really count as gen to them because there's a little too much of the romance thrown in of the reminder that romance exists yeah, not even that there's romance present but maybe like two people are married you know, or someone's name is Mrs., you know, and it's like, well, there's an implied romance. And then, and I mean, I think for a lot of people, the line is also the canon stuff. They get used to what's canon, even if it's a married couple in the background, but they get really frustrated when you're pushing at them something they see as Jen, because in real, in the canon, they're just friends, and you're saying, I want to put in the background of my fic that these two characters are dating. That's distracting from whatever they were trying to read even if it's just a throwaway line mm-hmm. so it gets it gets complicated fast what's enough to make it not gen anymore and there's different people have different thresholds for that 
And the flip side of that is that some people equate fandom with shipping. The two are inextricably interlinked. If they're not shipping, they're not in the fandom. Uh, but then coming from that perspective, a fic that has just that sort of background level, if someone had tagged it as a shipping fic, they would be extremely disappointed. They would like, oh, here's a ship. This is a pairing I like. And then read it and be like, where's the romance? So it could also be incorrect to tag it as a gen fic if it's not or to sorry no to tag incorrect it to as, tag it as a romance fic as a yeah fic. i have seen sometimes people will tag things as gen and then use the relationship so there's two ways to signify a relationship on ao3 one is to connect the words with a slash and this is true for both slash fic and hetero uh het, het pairings <laughs> yeah and the other way is to use the ampersand, that sort of and sign, which would signify not romantic. Not everybody knows this. Yeah. But of course, fanfiction.net is really interesting because it doesn't have that stuff. It doesn't have much at all, but it still has a really clear way to di- differentiate between gen and not gen in the sense of shipping, not in the sense of categories, because they started doing the quite a few years ago, but after I had started using the site, they changed it to have, is this a pairing, put them in brackets together, versus are they just characters in your story? You can list up to four characters in your story, and it can be two different pairings, or one pairing and then just two other characters, or just four separate characters that are not in any particular shipping relationship is how you're demarcating it. And it can be less, yeah. And it can be less than four if you want. And it's not a perfect system by any means, but it is the system they use, and it probably drives a lot of what gets posted and like how you post it. And let's just sum up: with writers have a tough job, <laughs> their stuff appropriately, and that to all of you guys for doing it. Having a four character maximum on. I'm going to say FNET because that's easier than fanfiction.net. Okay. That's how I abbreviate. <laughs> so on FNET, having the four limit is useful if you, ha- if you are looking for that rare pair or just a, a side character who doesn't see much use. Like I write in, or I wrote, I'm, I'm not really in the Flash fandom anymore much, but Captain Singh fic. And if you go into to AO3 and just search his character tag, he appears in a lot of fake, but not a lot of it is from his point of view, or he just kind of like, he is present in the story the way he's present in the show, so he gets tagged, but he's not a really involved character. And so when it's limited instead to just the four characters, and I'm going to date myself, I remember when it was two. Fanfiction.net started with you could have two characters and then they increased it to four so yeah like with the four character limit it's it cuts back on the number of like side character tagging that happens so characters just make an appearance but aren't really the focus of the story like if you only have to pick the four most important characters to the story um then it 
if one of the characters you're interested in is a minor character, you could find those minor character-focused stories better. Especially in um, like comic book and comic book adaptations that have like very large ensemble casts. There are hundreds and hundreds of Marvel characters. Uh, and if you want to focus on like Squirrel Girl because she's awesome, you know, but you want to see like a story about Squirrel Girl and not like, oh yeah, she's one of a member of a team and it's the second team and the focus is actually on the first primary team and like, you know, she she has maybe one speaking part. Yeah, you know, that wouldn't be the Squirrel Girl story that you want, but she gets tagged in it on AO3 because she appears. On the other hand, if you're writing an Avengers fic and, you know, all five of the movie Avengers are present and active, then the fanfiction.net model is going to be annoying because you're going to leave off either Black Widow or Hawkeye, probably. Um, <laughs> rude, by the way. Just rude. But the thing is, is since they introduced the brackets, you know, like, is this a pairing pairing, which is like a great tool. Older fix don't have that because they didn't have that option. So if you are searching and you're like, man, I just, I'm so tired of this pairing or I don't like this pairing and you want to exclude that pairing, it won't exclude things written before a certain time period when that was not an option that was available. Yeah, at that point, all you can do is exclude the characters altogether, gen or not gen, which isn't always what you want. <laughs> but, so. uh, yeah, fanfiction.net, for a while, I, I preferred their searching because you could easily exclude things. I could go down and say, and I just say, yeah, I don't want romance, you know, and just turn that, that off. Like, like uh, you don't want the genre or you don't want the bracket pairing? The genre. I could just turn off the whole genre. And I might still get some things, you know, because someone say, well, this is angst, hurt, comfort romance. And romance, you know, only having two genres, they would, like, leave off the romance as, like, no duh. Like, it's so obvious they don't even need to mention that it's romance. But then you kind of get that from the description right away. So it was never really an issue where I was, like, sucker punched by, like, surprise romance. Like, it, didn't, it never happened. But now AO3 does the same thing. Like, I don't think I ever got around to that point. Then AO3 changed their thing, where previously you had to, like, type it in and do this whole, like, tag, you know, manipulating yourself. Uh, and now they have an exclude section. That's very new. It's, like, less than a month old. I think I have a bad grasp of time. <laughs> so, um, KK, we haven't heard much from you yet this episode. Do you have any thoughts? Well, again, I have no experience with the creating of tags and wandering through all of that. So I was really just letting you guys go because you guys know so much more about it than I did. Because like I said, I'm, I'm right. not hugely picky about my tags. Like, usually I'll just pick a specific fandom that I kind of want to get into. And I'll just kind of troll through till I find one where the brief description catches my interest. I don't usually check tags all that much. Unless I'm like, I don't want any angst whatsoever. And then I may check. But that's about it. Right. So... I know, Cordic, you're aromantic, and I'm gray aromantic. KK, you're just bi. You're not aromantic. Just bi, Demi. I guess I'm... So here's the thing with, with my aromanticism. Is I feel like it hasn't really been properly empirically tested. Uh, it baffles... <laughs> 
No. Fair enough. You make it sound like we're going to go to a lab. <laughs> Take a sample well, of something. Quartic is very scientific about everything. Yeah. So. Like, it's true, but at the same time, I'm just like, that's, that's not a thing you do. There's not just a lab for that. So some Aeros are very against the idea of a romantic relationship. And for me, it's not so much that I am against it, like, oh, I know I don't want it, as I can just say I've never been romantically attracted to someone. So I don't know whether that means I never will. Like, sometimes, especially, like, you know, visiting a friend's wedding. Not visiting a wedding. I attended a wedding. (laughs) Um, And it was such a lovely ceremony, and they're so happy, and they're going to start this new journey of their lives together like oh that's so nice like that would be nice to have for myself you know but then every time when I was dating like I wasn't attracted romantically or sexually to the guys that I was in a relationship with love at first sight is a myth I have to like get to know the person first to find out whether I like them in that way and then it turned out I didn't and then I was like I don't think we should continue this relationship um so yeah so sort of like there are terms out there like cupio romantic for desiring a romantic relationship but not feeling attraction or demi romantic for needing a strong emotional bond before you feel romantic attraction and all sorts of other terms like that out there that some people have come up with (laughs) like theoretically any one of those might apply to me if I really sit down and, and work it out, though, it's like, would I actually want to be in a romantic relationship with somebody? It's like, would I want to share a bedroom with someone? It's like, no, I would want my own space. But the thing is, like, it's like a poly relationship just makes sense to me in a kind of balanced way. Like, it, it was uncomfortable for me when I was dating that I was my boyfriend's point of contact. Like, everything. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't ever his everything but like getting called every day you know to like oh hi what's up and I was like why are you calling me again like I don't want to talk to you every day you were like um, I talked to you yesterday nothing happened yeah but on the other hand it's like I like having a plus one and going out and doing things and the idea of having a significant other like one partner for a length of time you know that to do and then you have all like the partner benefits in society because society's set up that way well you could have a queer platonic partner and then it wouldn't have to be romantic at all potentially and still be yeah a plus one you for better just a best friend <laughs> yeah no, i i'm open to that idea like open to having a, a, Q, a qpp open to having some kind of poly thing. so i don't think i'm i'm straight up part of me for use of straight Oh, a romantic. Well, you're not non-amorous, I guess. You don't feel intrinsically yeah. non-amorous, although you're exactly. not. Exactly. Yeah. But on the other hand, I could just live by myself with my pigeons. I don't have any pigeons. That's my goal. <laughs> One day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the goal. Don't feel bad. I keep telling my mom my goal is hermit status. <laughs> like having a cave in the mountains yeah. alone. Like Tesla was a was an ace icon, you know. Like we don't have very many. Histo- well, maybe we have more than we think of people who <laughs> to the internet. Yeah, they they think Tesla might well have been ace. And one of his quotes, like he 
there was this pigeon, right, that would that he'd feed at his window every day. Um, and he loved that pigeon as a man loves a woman. Um, that's a direct quote. I don't think it was inappropriate the way... I have mild concerns it. now, but go on. No, I just, I would love that on a t-shirt. I think there are some Tesla t-shirts that say that. <laughs> it's been a few years since I've heard much about Nikola Tesla potentially being a romantic asexual, but yes, he's one of the few... Uh, he could be, and that's exciting because we want, we want, you know, icons to. <laughs> okay, yeah. you know what? Just because of this conversation, I am going to go on the internet later and just hunt down through all of the random sites for like Nikola Tesla shirts. <laughs> you do that. I'm Did going someday. I'm yeah. going to own a pigeon. So yeah, so I I think I'm you know I'm like non-monogamous. Like you were talking about Polly being. Um, appealing in some sense or making sense to you on a level like <laughs> I don't know yeah and I think I, I think I sort of am not very attached to monogamy probably just because I'm so aromantic not necessarily because I'm actively poly like it's it's complicated but I definitely am so non I, I'm so not non-amorous I do desire a partnership ideally to raise children with so I I'm in that gray area because I've met a romantic people who are really much more happily single. So while I don't really feel any romantic attraction or get a lot of romantic things, I also do have the partnering drive or something in me somewhere. And I think ideally I would do queer platonic, but I would be willing to do romantic stuff. And it's complicated. It took me a long time to figure out my gray panromantic, gray aromantic orientation with a few years of being WTF romantic in the middle there, and I still think that's applicable, and I think I could be possibly demi-romantic, depending on how you define it, but I've settled on the labels I decided to settle on, and and it's been long enough, and I have sort of tested it with a couple people since, so I kind of have empirically figured out, you know, more of where I'm at with some of these things. But uh, fan fiction, yeah, I think I've always gravitated towards Jen stuff, probably because of my aromanticism. I've also read and engaged in a lot of shipping stuff, but especially as a writer, when I start sitting down to write my own stuff, it just comes out Jen. Like, it just, it just, it's like, it really leans Jen. Like, even when I'm writing a ship fic, it's like, how much gen stuff can we put in my ship? Like, like it's like, how... How much before the ship sinks? <laughs> <laughs> you just keep loading the, the gen cargo on. Um, no, I set out to write a fem slash fic, actually. Pigeon racing AU, because I was like, no one's done that before. And I was really excited about the idea, but it was really hard hard to write like I was like oh I just need to use like all the cliche rom-com tropes you know like I wasn't the originality would, would I wasn't concerned about that I, you know I didn't have to have like yeah. some great ideas like it's your first time writing fem slash you're gonna use some romantic uh, tropes you've heard yeah, of before and, and a lot of readers come to shipping because of the familiarity of it you know like that's you know a lot of rom coms tell me they hated each other at first no sorry <laughs> not that one <laughs> <laughs> but I got distracted with this whole shape-shifting plot on the side. Um, 
and really kind of like I ended up with like the, I had the, the climax of the story but I didn't have any beginning like I didn't know how their relationship started or what they did on dates or like how to write any of them I just I mean didn't even go anywhere um, but yeah so the, the, I was trying to focus on this femme slash and I kept getting distracted with like headcanons for how the shape-shifting aspect and how would the world building work and you know like oh and and different ways i was i had a list of bird puns it's like how many bird puns can i work into this some of them are going to be really subtle like iris was going to have a columbia sweatshirt <laughs> which uh, um, is the genus for pigeons so it's like columbia livia is the scientific name for pigeons okay <laughs> and basically, there were other things that were, were much more interesting for me to work on as a writer than the purpose of the piece, which was femme slash. You know, it was like all these other things yeah. uh, kind of crowded. I would imagine a lot of the bird fix could be a <laughs> gen, a little, a little less focused on romance because there's a lot of interesting things to explore that could be fun, at least ones you write. <laughs> You're really good at writing really detailed stories um, that are really gen. I don't think I've done... I guess they're just a different flavor of gen than the gen I write. I really write about human interaction and relationships, and it leans very platonic, but you write character study and, you know, detailed research about, like, scientific aspects of the things you're, you're writing and, you know... You are very science minded. <laughs> and, I would say, like, yeah, science minded and, and mythology minded. Because mythology, yeah. yeah, it's not always. It's it. I do a lot of research, but it's not always science research. Yeah, it's other t- it's any type of research, research yeah, or myth research, or you know what have you. It, yeah, and it, it can be very like anthropological, even or something. But it's very much like based in. You know, you have to you have to have all the details and the facts in order to write about what's happening in your story. Whereas I'm just like, I know all the canon as well as possible, but that's about as far as I go with my uh, researching most of the time. It's uh, but yeah. So I don't know with Jen stuff. There's a lot we could talk about, and we should talk about a romanticism more. I think and how it interacts, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, that makes sense. What are you guys thinking? Well, honestly, I've just listened to this thinking about how really just... So, a lot of genfic kind of gets put into kind of the aromantic category a lot of times, I've noticed, just in looking around at it. It gets put into these categories just because no romance is happening. What do you mean by put in the aromantic category? Uh, well, like, I, ty- I typed in a romanticism a couple of times just to see what fix showed up. An archive of our own? Yeah. When I was flipping around, there were a couple that were labeled that way, but when you read through them, like, there was no real mention of a romanticism. It was just two people being friends. And it's given it could have been, like, a subtextual thing, but at least when I was reading it, it's like, this is just two friends, like, hanging out. <laughs> Do you th- yeah, it... Might have been, might have been an aromantic headcanon, or it might have been someone like thinking it's a non-romantic relationship and not realizing aromantic has its own meaning, or something. Well, and, that's cool. yeah. 
It's interesting, though, that, that people are tagging things that way on Archive of Our Own when they're just... Well, and again, it could easily be, like you were talking earlier, just an issue with tagging, and again, they just did not fully understand, and... It's just founding Jen with aromanticism, it sounds like. Yeah. Which, again, is interesting to me. Yeah, because... So, I think this is where we should define a matter-normativity again, uh, and how the aromantic experience is different from just being single. Or, or having a friend. Yeah, or exactly. Right. So, well, there's a lot of... there's. I think there are two separate ideas. A matter-normativity is bigger and kind of separate than what aromanticism is and isn't, but uh, a matter-normativity is the assumption that a central, exclusive amorous relationship is normal for humans in that it is a universally shared goal and that such a relationship is normative in the sense that it should be aimed at in preference to other relationship types and it's like a monogamous central usually heterosexual relationship but even if you take the hetero part out it's a matanormativity is bigger than heteronormativity because even queer couples fall into these, you know, the ideal to reach is married with kids and have really deeply in love and all these other details that play into it. Like, like this is the norm and everyone that breaks those norms is breaking in a matter normativity a little bit. They're chipping away at it from different angles and different sides. Frankly, it should be chipped away at. And there's so many ways, yeah, so like being a married couple that's happily child-free for life and doesn't ever want to have kids is chipping at one side of some of these norms, probably, and being polyamorous is chipping at another side of these norms, and being aromantic, even if it's not, your, you know, anything you do, whether you decide to have a queer platonic relationship, whether you decide to be in a romantic relationship where you don't feel romantic attraction whether you decide to be single for life and non-amorous, you're really, whatever you do, you're going to break the norms because your identity wasn't considered when they, when these norms came to be. Nobody, society built around the idea that aromantic people don't exist, even though aromantic people always existed. And now, you know, there's, I don't know, somebody pick up where I left off. Well, the whole thing about marriage and everything like that came about because people wanted to bind themselves to other people to get more land or to forge alliances. So do not make marriage your standard because it was not bounded on romance. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So metanormativity is actually, um, I think it's, it's run rampant in shipping culture and fandom because we take it to even more extremes than pop culture as a whole and like general fiction that's published outside of fan communities does we make uh we everyone in fandom you know in general tends to kind of prioritize romance to such a high degree they they'll like the way the original fanfiction.net tags were set up the only characters that matter at all in the story are who's dating or whatever or who will date by the end of the story at the very least or those kinds of like you know what do you what do you think matters what is what is the point of even being in fandom what is the draw to still be here and part of it is that 
it's like it builds on itself and like it snowballs like it starts and keeps going if, if all anyone cares about is shipping that's all you feel like you should care about and it's all you talk about it's all you write about you like end up watching the canon or reading the canon as the new books come out or whatever it is paying extra attention to your ship and ignoring everything else and it's a it's one way that a lot of people interact with fandom it's not the only way and a lot of people enjoy the other sides of it no matter what their romantic and sexual orientations are and yet at the same time fandom kind of is a fun place to have fantasies about characters having sex and about characters kissing and about characters cuddling and falling in love and doing all sorts of other fluffy romantic things. I admittedly do enjoy (laughs) love. It's just nice to see people be happy. Yeah, so different people come to fandom for different things and there's lots of different, you know, things you can like about fandom. And sometimes what I've seen is that in some fandoms the authors would try to you know appeal to people who are coming to fandom for different things so appeal to more than one audience at once and i think jen crossed over with slash sometimes where people would tag things as both and say it's like pre-slash or jen whatever floats your boat like whatever whichever way you want to read it um and that's like a a way that people could take baby steps into exploring like gay pairings without really reading anything that was explicitly gay at all because this this ship is being treated as well you can see it as friendship or you can see it as the friendship that will eventually lead to lovers off page after the 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 end at the end or whatever after this little story's over maybe they became more than friends kind of attitude which i know a lot of uh aromantic people hate the phrase more than friends but um (laughs) it's uh it's really? why do they not like it because excuse my ignorance but it puts relationships on a hierarchy mm-hmm. and of like oh there's like some kind of ladder you're trying to climb whereas you know it might better be represented as just an alternative relationship like there's not one above the other yeah, it's not that friendships are lesser than romances. They're just a different category, a different like flavor of feelings. They're not really just all romances are not friendship plus, you know, romance or whatever, plus extra things to turn it into a romance. That that is one way things happen with friends to lover trope and whatnot, but a lot of people do date someone where it's romance from the beginning. Uh, you go on a date before you really knew each other very well. But it's also just like, yeah, there are really, really intense platonic bonds, and it does lessen them to say just friends versus more than friends. And certain, not probably every single time the phrases are used, but too high a percentage of the time. So it's better to try to adjust the vocabulary to say it different ways, and I have not succeeded at doing that yet. Hence me just casually saying more than friends in my previous statement yeah because it's it's part of our lexicon you know it's an expression that it's in common usage like i just spoke i didn't understand why that was possibly offensive because it's such a common thing to say i'm like it's ubiquitous yeah and even though i agree with the statement of that friendships are just as important because that's a big thing to me as a demisexual of course again anything to me it's like i don't 
get that feeling of like sexual attraction. Like that doesn't happen. Right. So to me, it's like friendships are just as important. They always have been. Also, just because I like having friends. <laughs> Lots of reasons. Yes. Exactly. It's like I like having people to go to the movie to, and who are going to let me see the movie and not want to make out in the middle of it. I mean, I'm sorry. I want to go watch Jurassic Park. I don't want to make out in it. I want to watch a bunch of kids get chased by a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I explained pre-slash and Jen that well, but... Yeah, oh, okay. So pre-slash is... you know, and then Another term would be like slash goggles. So if someone's wearing slash yeah. goggles, it's, it's kind of seeing the world where like the pairing is slash. Like they see slash everywhere. Uh, yeah, and it's I know. Sort of I like, want a pair. Of, I want a brand of goggles named that yeah. now. It's it's like where you uh, where all of a sudden once it's once you have those types of goggles on, you notice every platonic interaction could be actually not platonic or something. Like it's I don't know. It, it's different for different people, but yeah. So it's one of those things where like. If you look at it from this angle, <laughs> it's slash, and if you look at it from that angle, it's not. Yeah, and the angle like, like that is something that gays have had to do for so long because TV could not show gay relationship. Like if you had a gay character, they had to come to a terrible end. There had to be some kind of karmic justice That's uh, so- for oh. them being gay, and that was like written into. Uh, the standards and practices. It's not just that. It's even in modern like stuff, they get less kissing scenes, less sexual scenes, less than the heterosexual couples in the same exact fan, like in the same exact work, not fan works, yeah. but original works, the canon. And people are, you know, need to wear their slash goggles to make, compensate a little bit sometimes, and yeah. you know, see things as more sexual if they want those sexual moments. It's like, see, look for the subtext, you know, look for any kind of possible. And so, yeah, so the, the pre-slash is someone written and it's like, okay, it could go either way. Like, there's nothing really necessarily overt or they don't say, hey, you want to be my boyfriend at the end? You know, that would make it a shipping fic. Uh, but neither is it straight up gen. And, you know, I think almost all pre-slash that I've seen has been male-male. I can't think of a single instance. Yeah, I think it's a male-male trope. Although... It's definitely more dominated by that, I will say that. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. That's there's, the, like, I, no reason why it couldn't be female-female, except there's there's a dearth, there's a, a lack of femme-slash as it is. So I think if someone set out to write femme-slash, they wouldn't tease their readers by making it is it or isn't it? Because lesbians get enough of that in real life. Like, they... Yeah, I do think there are ones that are truly gen. I think that people just want to get the Slash fandom. Like, for really big ships, they're writing the two characters as friends, and then they add in, like, well, it's not like it's incompatible with your Slash ship. I mean... Is you know, there's nothing actively like where the characters said in the story, I'm aromantic asexual, so therefore, you know, they could clearly have these feelings, it's just not anything brought up. So I'm gonna tag my story on Archive of Our Own AO3 
you know, as both Jen and M slash M, you know, male, male, and see who comes. I'm going to put the relationship with the ampersand that means non-romantic and then write the other tag for a slash with, between them too. And I'll do both mm-hmm. and see what happens and see if I, and of course, you know, people who were fishing for hits, you know, fishing for hits. And I do, I've seen it more than I've seen it more than once. Like I've seen it, you know, around, it seems like a thing that I think in certain fandoms, you saw somebody else do it and you're like, that's a good idea. I'm going to do it too. And so that's something else because one of the other issues is that not enough people even remember to read Jen. There's so few people who are searching for it when they stumble across it doesn't mean they're not going to like it, but it's that, you know, they forget it exists. So you don't get readers if you write that way in certain fandoms and certain corners. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think one of the, there was a post written on, I trying to figure out which, actually I think it might've just been the fan lore wiki talking about how Jen is a little bit more common in science fiction fandoms uh, because there's a lot of world building kind of stories that go on even in I would say not necessarily a fandom but if I were to write like a space opera white collar fic you know it well actually no that's a bad example because if I wrote anything it would be Jen um but if you if you took a, a fandom that's not normally space and then wrote a space AU or a, a steampunk AU, it it might well no now I'm seeing the possibility like maybe maybe not. Um, basically, in sci-fi, there's more plots besides person-to-person interaction. I guess like if you have to survive and your planet's running out of air, you know, like that sort of puts dating on a back burner. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you like, there's more, I mean, not even just life and death situations, but if you've got uh, a lot of different kinds of conflict going on, you, you're stuck in a time loop. Um, you've act, there's cloning going on. There's experimentation. There's, body horror there's transformation there's plagues lots and lots of different things to explore that if you also had romance in there it would kind of complicate things it would be distracting it you know what have you so there's a number of reasons why uh and that's i i said a number of reasons and then i gave like one reason (laughs) i think demographics also plays into it is what (laughs) the uh the post suggest right so it de- where was i going with this it depends on i'm not sure <laughs> i guess it depends on the fandom uh to what degree you know is is genfic a rarity because certainly i i i come across it more often i guess but even then there's always people in fandom who will be lamenting the lack of genfic like man ship and sometimes like i i say like shipping's fine i'll read shipping fix i don't ship characters though the way that shippers tend to do like they will have their ships Mm -hmm. um that they're really rooting for whereas i'm kind of like open to anything as long as it doesn't hit any of my squicks uh do i need to define squick yeah probably I would guess so. 
Okay. Oh, gosh, it's it's one of those things. Like, how do you define? Um, Squicks are things that make you uncomfortable or worse, probably, or anything that you really don't want to read, or at least don't want to read. Yeah. You know, scale of don't want to read to it would be the worst thing ever to read. Uh, like, yeah, probably. it's like a hard nope. <laughs> you know, like, nope. Think of it this way. If you wanted to read something totally happy, this is the exact opposite. Well, no, no, no. Cause no, it's not about the happiness factor. No, I'm saying the definition of this would be that the thing that you did not want, the thing that makes you the most uncomfortable, would be that. Right. No. If, you, if, you, if you wanted to feel the most comfortable and happy and, and like, escape to happy, your own ha- personal happy place, the squicks would ruin it for you. I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, I also wanted to say, like, especially, like, gay parents, before there was canon gay representation in media, fan fiction was, like, one of the only places you could really have that. Very true. And where that could be accepted. And even then, it wasn't, like, widely accepted. But getting into the controversies of... Yeah, no, and that's really relevant to talk about Slash and talk about how that fits in with Jen and shipping and all the other stuff. It's all very relevant. Okay, so here's here's the dilemma, right? Um, there are definitely homophobes in fandom. Undoubtedly. Uh, and there's definitely it was pretty common like some of the things the way people would phrase things and handle slash fic or you know lack thereof was pretty homophobic um one thing would be to give any slash pairing a mature rating even if the content was like just t rating teen rating like you uh, mean because, they were just kissing they weren't like yeah you know doing like, there anything there wasn't any content in it that would qualified for a mature rating but because it was you know a, a gay pairing that somehow made it more deviant or yeah. or just saying warning this includes slash in your summary or something was yeah. treating it like it's something to warn for was yeah. exactly warning contains slash like oh we wouldn't want to accidentally expose impressionable young people to gays Oh, how terrible. Whereas, like, a heterosexual relationship is like, well, that's fine and normal. Like, no one's saying contains male-female kissing, you know, or in big letters, or, like, you know, contains a normal marriage. You know, (laughs) they weren't, like, warning for those sorts of things. Um, I think we sort of imply that people who put slash warning things on are homophobic, but actually it's it's that those it's indicative of like the homophobic culture we live in uh, because sometimes those are actually very self it's in self-defense, right? Like another common thing is to say contain slash don't like, don't read. So it's it's like not wanting just the random hate to be dumped on you and, and on the story and like the really aggressive attacks um so it's more like please if you don't like it just do yourself a favor and don't even bother coming in here and, and don't read it you i'm telling you you won't like this so just please ignore it instead of coming on the offensive and attacking me for it those large bold warnings are sort of a, a sign of how 
slash is treated in fandom and like and in society that it's it it's um what's the word it's not the cause but the not the effect either it's a symptom you know it's not the thing that is perpetuating uh homophobia but it is sort of like a result of homophobia i don't know if i've made any sense yes okay so then you know enter asexuals or or i should or aromantics or aroises who want to find the genfic that does not have any relationships the fandom like a lot of fandoms is dominated by slash fic you know and then there's this sort of quandary that like is then complaining about the amount of slash fic homophobic you know yes it's better to wish there was more genfic but then you can i mean you can be a or ace and homophobic like they're not mutually exclusive so someone could be homophobic and also you know want there to be more genfic and so it's one of those things where you kind of got to be i don't know if it's sensitive to like the history and the context you know in which we say like oh man wish there was more genfic like or or Mm-hmm. You know, searching and saying like, oh, I need to search and exclude, you know, male male pairings. It's kind of like every time I do that, I'm like, but I'm not anti-gay. I just want things suited to me. Yeah, three and a half years ago, I wrote a blog post about this kind of topic, and I talked about how when I first learned of the existence of slash fan videos, I I ignored them, and then with time, and they were more in my periphery, I decided to watch them with some curiosity and I found myself uncomfortable for reasons that were difficult to pinpoint and I was not homophobic but eventually I think I realized that I was a sex averse asexual person and I was actually uncomfortable with a few AU heterosexual fan videos too I wouldn't want to read heterosexual porn and fan fiction even if it was male female and all of that stuff not on a super that would you know I would be uncomfortable on some level as well but the thing about the videos was they were taking even the platonic stuff in my favorite fandoms the literal scenes in fan videos like actual hugs that happened between brothers were being or not even just incest ones but like between friends and non non romantically inclined at all because they had incompatible sexual orientations they were two guys and they were both straight or whatever it was even that was being viewed as obviously they really want each other sexually in these videos because of the way they matched the lyrics and because of the way the way they edited it they made it seem like every single touch that you could possibly have was clearly romantic or sexual and every single looking at each other was tinted with extra emotions that I don't even have the capability of feeling as an aromantic asexual person. And I didn't know I was aromantic asexual when I was starting my entry into fandom. So it just made me uncomfortable in some awkward sense that I didn't know how to put into words. I was just like, where is the safe zone for even the platonic? Like, no, you know, even this is not off limits to be turned into a romantic and sexual thing. And with time, I kind of saw the appeal of putting on slash goggles and how it could be fun to reinterpret things, but it took a lot of time for me to get to that place. 
and I don't know. It's like, it's just, it's all so complicated. And I definitely think my asexuality and my aromanticism is very intertwined when it comes to a lot of that too. It's hard to separate them and know where one begins and where one ends. And society usually intertwines romantic stuff and sexual stuff too, including fandoms and fan works and fans who make these transformative works. So it gets overlapped. But when you're both a romantic and asexual, I think that can be heightened to some degree, where you really, you know, you'd rather watch a video about friends <laughs> or a fan video about friends than you'd w want to watch it about them being in love and wanting to kiss each other and maybe rip off each other's clothes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's very little uh, escalation there. It just goes all, like, kissing, <laughs> ripping off clothes. I mean... There is no middle. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> At all, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I guess one other thing is um, just... Aromantic people and non-aromantic people, or alloromantic people, both can appreciate and have platonic relationships in their lives. The vast majority of people have deep relationships with friendships, friends and family members, and you know, all, and even just character study stuff can also count as Jen fanfiction. So Jen covers platonic relationships, and it covers adventure stories and character studies and internal like things that just don't have to do with romance and it can be a lot of different types of stories and it's not only aromantic like like it's not something that aromantic people feel that other people don't when it comes to those kinds of stories it's just aromantic people don't have the same context for a lot of romance stuff and while Asexual people also don't have the same context for romance stuff as allosexual people because a lot of the romance stuff includes sex and sexual attraction and all sorts of stuff like that. It's... It gets, like... I think there's more of a leaning where the... The sexual stuff in a lot of fix is only a small part of it and a lot of alloromantic asexuals. So, like if you're heteroromantic asexual, biromantic asexual, any any of the types of, you know, you're not aromantic but you are asexual, you can still appreciate, even on a personal level, a, a lot of a shipping fic as long as sex is not a big part of it. And that can happen in a lot of their shipping fics, and the reverse is less true. It's harder, I think, to find, you know, sex without romance in fanfiction. So you turn to just skipping shipping altogether. Like, I don't know, I'm just rambling, sorry. I'm gonna be honest with you, I think you've missed some of the corners I've seen in the internet. There's plenty of fics where it's just sex. Well, like, porn without plot is different than no context of romance, but maybe. Yeah, no, no, it is different, because, like, even if porn without plot, there's, most of those have an established relationship. You know, it's like, okay, these two are married or probably just dating or, or going out or pick your euphemism. They're a canon ship or they're a popular ship where other people have explored the romance and a lot of fics. So you have this context that you, you think of them as a romantic pairing. And then this story in particular is just the sex. But it's also often done, I think, in a romantic way. But I could be wrong. What, what kind of things are you thinking of, KK? 
Well, no, I'm saying that I've seen it in a... So in just trolling around the internet in general, I've seen it where, yes, there are some where they kind of assume you already know the romantic part of it and they just go on to the sex. They're the ones where they focus some of the romance and the building of it and then they go into the sex. But there are also ones where they just have two characters where, like, we just want these two to have sex. They don't get along or, like, they have no contact. They're just alone in a bar one night and they're like, yep, yeah, you're the last yeah. one here. Let's do this. Love down. Let's go. <laughs> I think you're right. And I don't actually go to those corners of fandom, but they do oh, exist. I don't try to find them. I'm never meaning to. <laughs> I'm sorry you're so unlucky. <laughs> I'm usually just like, oh, this seems like an inch. Like, there'll be like some little thing that it says in the description where right. I'm like, oh, it'll be interesting. Click on it two seconds later, and we're leaving. So I should probably like, amend my statement because I think the real point is just. While I think a lot of aromantic people would actually be really interested in explorations of relationships that have sex but no romance and how that, you know, how, you know, seeing pieces of themselves in that, especially aromantic asexuals would gravitate away from that. And, um, and even, and, and, and it's, and, and that's where Jen comes in to fill in a lot of gaps where, you can just, you know, even if the character might be the one that hooks up with someone in a bar with no, without even knowing them ahead of time, in this particular fic, that same character is having a conversation with their mom. And it's very Jen. And it's just, you know, or in this particular fic, you know, something is happening that has nothing to do with sex or romance. And that's where, you know, I think more aromantic people have you know gravitated towards saying I really want a list of Jen Rex or I would rather read and write Jen I'm more I'm, I'm safer there I know I'm comfortable there there's less stuff to squick me out there to squick you know I don't I don't have squicks when it comes to Jen fic nearly as often as I do in romance and sexual fics or whatever it is and so I think that was the main reason we wanted to talk about Gen Fic and Arrows in the same episode a little bit. Arrows being A-R-O-S, like, you know, aromantic people. And it's it's still, it really varies. There, you can be aromantic and love romance and stories, just not want it for yourself or whatever. There's so many ways this happens, but there is just, like, some kind of correlation there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Oh, so actually, we should mention, we finally got some responses. We got some tweets in reply to a tweet I sent out asking if anyone had any commentary for the theme of Genfic and Arrows that we're doing for this episode. So we got a, a couple people talking about stuff. One person was explaining that they kind of think that some Genfic writers sort of think they're better than romance writers and are, like, elitist about it, looking down on people. Yeah, I was going to say, it definitely, I think some of that stems from even just the stigma against fanfiction in general, um, that people outside of fandom will look down on fanfiction for, oh, it's it's all of, it's it's like teenage girls writing stories about kissing. And it's we sort of like, it's a lot of that rap. And then, and then yeah, but you know what? Readers. You know what? This is where the gen elitism comes in, you know, and I can definitely see that because the defense against this is saying, oh, 
it's not just teenage girls writing stories about kissing. It's all these other things. And it's throwing stories about kissing under the bus. Right. Instead of saying, like, defending the stories about kissing, you go so far in the other direction and saying, like, well, that stuff really does suck, but mine is good. Or, but that other fic out there that's really not at all about porn or about kissing is really what fan fiction at its best is or something. And that's really not the right way to frame things. Cause fan fiction is wonderful when it's about romance, even if it's not every aromantic person's cup of tea or even non aromantic people who just aren't into that side of fandom. It's still a really transformative work that's useful and important and and exploring all sorts of really interesting stories that deserve to be written i think yeah and sometimes they're just fun stories written for the fun of it and that's also fine like it yeah they're cute they're bigger. silly they're they're everything every single thing you can think of that people try it and do it and have fun with it not to mention this is how a lot of writers start getting into writing. They just decide to create their little world with these characters they love. And that's adorable and lovely. Leave them alone. (laughs) And then there's also just people complaining that, you know, as aces, as Aero aces, you try to find representation that sort of represents yourself. And even if you're not trying to find it for yourself, if you're ace and you're looking for aromantic asexual representation and things... Almost always when people are writing characters as asexual, they're writing them not aromantic, is what the two people that tweeted us before we were recording were commenting on. They were both kind of saying it's really hard to find much actual aro rep. And it's easy to maybe find aro-like stories, but it's not easy to really find like people using the word aromantic in fanfiction. And a lot of it is kind of just because writers want readers and they know ships are going to be read and they also follow the tropes they've seen other people using. And a lot of times it's really easy within the context of a romantic relationship to explore why and how a character is asexual, like, you know, to explore, well, because I'm asexual, this is how it feels in the romantic relationship when we're doing sexual things or something and they don't explore it in an aromantic ace way where the character isn't already dating someone. If that makes any sense? Yeah, I think... Well, it does make maybe sense. This isn't, maybe this is, like, a different... But, like, I think most of the aromantic, not asexual stories I that I can think of off the top of my head um, are about Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow from The Avengers, which is, like, cool that there's, you know, this great fleshed out aromantic character but like her background is as a soviet assassin who you know kills people and uses sexuality as a weapon so it's not like as assassins do yeah (laughs) but it's not like super great representation for like aromantic people to say like oh yeah they're all cold-blooded killers it's like no and i don't think (laughs) can we change that to we're all just really awesome badass females well, we're not all female. I feel like that better. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I think it's sort of... I mean, if you read the stories, they're clearly not, like, perpetuating that stereotype. It's just the idea behind it is perpetuating the stereotype when you don't have other characters to even it out. 
when you don't have an array of types of characters who are allowed to be aromantic, even in fan fiction, essentially, yeah. with the norms. Yeah, and, like, the same thing with asexuality. Like, I don't mind reading stories about asexual alien characters, because... I like sci-fi, and I like Doctor Who, and... <laughs> I love alien characters and have since I was in, like, you know, elementary school, I think. There's very compelling stories to be told about aliens who are very human-like, so, you know, they're very good characters, and I also, you know, find it hard to fully be upset by, you know, them becoming more like me and asexual, or whatever. Like, that's not really fully the problem. Yeah, exactly. It's just big picture, you can kind of you, it is possible to look at it and, and see that it could be be a problem. And so yeah, the dehumanizing and the the idea that only aliens are asexual implies that humans aren't asexual, and that's not good at all because humans, like the three of us, are indeed asexual, and we don't want people, you know, even just like subconsciously starting to get the wrong idea in their heads, like only. Only people who are really, really different, like aliens, are asexual. No, we're actually much more like closer to the normal side of people of human experience than an alien is. Like, there's <laughs> getting back to talking about aromanticism and representation and and lack thereof. I, yeah, I think it's it does exist, and there is some good aromantic representation out there that isn't also asexual, but it is really hard to find and some of it has its own like i think the best honestly like the best aromantic stories i've ever read it was not even fan fiction um well it was on tumblr there was a post and it was like aromantic frat boy i can't think of his name with chad maybe it was like aro chad and it started out as like the straw man argument and then sort of debunking it like oh people put forward like aromantic frat boy chad as like this complete sleazeball who's just like, you know, using and disposing of not disposing. That sounds terrible. <laughs> like, uh, not not a serial killer again. Just like sleeping around with like all the college girls and and then consequently like not valuing them. And then they deconstructed this and said, no, okay, look, if you actually had an aromantic frat boy named Chad, and then sort of built up this backstory for this invented character that was like, oh, hey, yeah, that both explains aromanticism really well and he's a really nice guy i like chad right it's it's the true true friends with benefits and friendly and like really you know caring consensual encounters where people know ahead of time the expectations and that he's aromantic and that what that means for him and what that means in, in general and just you know, there there should be more stories out there for various aromantic headcanons, aromantic characters, and there currently is a bit of a dearth of that kind of story. And there are people who are allosexual but aromantic who really would love to read more of these stories and hopefully more get written as time progresses. So do we want to move on to Rex? Yes. Rex, yes. Alrighty, so for this week, I actually admittedly had a bit of trouble finding a fic to wreck. And this is just because, again, I don't usually kind of read gen fic. And also because most of the ones I found just didn't strike me very much. 
There's even one that was super short that I found kind of disappointing just because it was so short. So the fix I'm actually going to go with is actually titled, it's from Yuri on Ice again, and it's titled Pitchett and Yuri versus Valentine's Day. It's by Lightning Caters, and it's like 3,000 words, just the one chapter, but I thought it was kind of a cute pick of like two friends who just kind of like spend Valentine's Day being like, hey man, happy Valentine's Day. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> uh, in contrast, I've got a 56,000 word genfic. <laughs> how dare you throw shade like this? I don't even know how you find these things. They're so long. I mean, it's great. I like long pics, but I'm like, I struggle to find them in the first place. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, in the Merlin fandom, the, the BBC TV series. It is called The Best Laid Plans by Deza Lang Lois. And it is a really nice example of what plotty genfic looks like, as you can probably tell from the length of it. It also is a really good, I think, and again, I, I can't say for certain because I'm in the Merlin fandom, but I think this is a story that is understandable even if you haven't seen the show because it is written from an outside point of view character. There's this, I mean, I guess there's some things that are a little bit easier to understand if you know the show, no context, but a lot of it, you don't need to know the show. So uh, in the show, at one point, there's a dragon and it, bl- it uh, burns up all these bad guys. And, and it's like, yay, the bad guys got burned up. Um, but this is a story of some of these mercenaries managed to escape the dragon fire. And they're like, no amount of gold is worth that. You know, forget taking Camelot. We're going to like hightail it out of here. But then they steal some Camelot cloaks to like as a disguise to help them get away. And end up getting kind of shanghaied into this go kill this griffin thing because they get mistaken for actual knights. And so then they're like, okay, we'll just keep, we'll keep up the pretense that we are knights. Uh, and then they run across some actual Camelot knights and decide to uh, continue with the, the charade rather than risk being killed by the knights. But it turns out, unbeknownst to them, these new knights are in fact King Arthur. So. <laughs> And, uh, and the Knights of the Round Table. So I might not be explaining this very well, but... You're fine. Okay, yeah. So they, he's, you know, um, the main guy is, like, the leader of this, this band of mercenaries. Like, well, King Arthur knighted me to King Arthur's face. And, and Arthur decides to, let's see where this goes. <laughs> so he goes along with it. And says, "Let's let's both of us join in this mission to kill the Griffin. You know, since we're all knights of Camelot here, uh, knighted by the king. Uh, and so the story progresses. It's a very amusing and at times heartwarming story with good action. And it's a really it's one of my favorites. It sounds really special. It definitely sounds plotty and and." Unique and totally different than my rag. It does sound very funny. <laughs> More dragon fire than I was initially anticipating. Yeah. So, I picked a fic called Still Life with Blaine by Flaming Muse. It's in the Glee fandom. And it's about Carol, Kurt's stepmother. 
and Blaine comes over to try to get something out of Kurt's bedroom, and he's going to perform with the Glee Club, and he wants his pocket square, and it's this character study and exploration. It deals with Carol's grief over her son that died in the, in canon, and the actor died in real life, Corey Monteith, and it's a very touching story about just motherhood and feelings towards all these boys in her life, Kurt and Blaine and Finn, and it's very much not about shipping, because it's Carol's point of view towards three, you know, kids that all are sort of her children. One will be her son-in-law one day, and she knows it in the story. And I really like the style of just spend 3,000 words, that's how long this one is, spend 3,000 words exploring a platonic relationship and one that you don't really get to see much of, if any, in canon, but that feels very realistic because you know all these characters really well and they have these kinds of interactions with other characters and you get you get to get a feel for, like, you know, the, the missing scenes that could have happened in the middle of the show. And it's very canon-compliant, very just, you know, emotional and not plotty at all. So that was the one I wanted to wreck this time. Alrighty. Can I put in just a plug since I, this time, had uh, it's kind of spoiled I undecided, like, oh, should I wreck this one or this one? Um, sure. Like, if people are, are if you want you can tweet us at tweets. And just ask, like, hey, Quartic, can you give me a genfic wreck in, in a particular fandom? And if I happen to be in that fandom, I am more than happy to just chuck some thick your way. You can also ask us for wrecks in any fandom any of the three of us know, and we can all try for yeah. Whatever, oh, yeah. whatever genre of gen, you know, whatever you're thinking of, we can try to find something that we... Uh, that we would wreck to you. We're in a lot of fandoms if you combine the three of us together. Yeah. Aww. I feel like if you combine the three of us into one human being, we would just be like one of the giantest nerds ever. <laughs> and you don't have to tweet us. You can also email us at aceinterpretations at gmail.com. We have gotten some tweets now. Yay. Um, we have not gotten any emails. So happy about this tweet. Thank <laughs> you guys really for well the thought out. They were really, and yeah, delightful. we got Twitter threads from two people before this episode with detailed thoughts on uh, on genfic and aromanticism, and we really appreciate it. It was really... Uh, insightful. Insightful, yeah. They were, they were both very insightful Twitter threads. So, yeah. So, remember, you can find us on Twitter at AceChirperTweets, and you can email us at AceChirperTations at gmail.com. By the way, guys, we're now on iTunes! Yay! So if you would, please go. Give us five stars if you love us. It really helps us out. This was a really fun episode, even if we were a little all over the place. And we have more thoughts that are sort of in this vein. So the next episode we've decided is going to be kind of about queer platonic relationships and bromance and stuff like that. We haven't really decided on the title yet, but... KK is about to fall asleep. It's been a long day. And Quartic is melting into a puddle. And I think the rest of us probably should go to bed as well. Quartic is also tired, I'm sure. Um, I'm a very tired puddle. So, 
<laughs> tired puddles all around. So thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Please let us know if you like this episode, if you wish we said something differently, any type of feedback, we really would welcome it. And also check out our AO3. We have lots of stuff on there. And check out our Archive of Verona account, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have an Archive of Verona account with links to various things we mentioned in this episode and streaming of our episodes. Okay, so... It is time to say goodbye. This is Love the Heaven signing off. This is KK saying goodnight. This is Quartic Moose. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.